I want to jump into the message today. We're in a series entitled Blueprint, where we're working at some of the foundational doctrinal beliefs that allow us to have the blueprint for a Christ-honoring life. Knowing godly doctrine for your life is kind of like understanding the, the, the nuances of how your phone works. Now, I am not necessarily technical savvy, but there are people who are a lot smarter than I am, and from time to time, I will be around them, and they will do something with their phone that I didn't know that it had that feature. And I'm like, that's a really good idea. Have you ever been there where you're using a computer or something like that, and some kid comes along and does something new, and you thought, well, why didn't I know about that? I didn't know about that feature, and if I knew about that feature, it would have been a lot more effective in my life. You know, these kids, they take selfies all the time, and and if you and I take a selfie, we look pretty ugly in it, right? Because we're like, you know, it's terrible, all right? These kids, every one of them look like they're on a model for a magazine. How do they do that? Because they put a filter on there. They know the intricacies and the nuances of how to make that phone make them look good. And in a lot of ways, the Christianity is the same way. God's Word has given us a lot of fundamental beliefs that when we apply them to our life, life is a lot smoother along the way. We have a more full understanding of what God intended for our life. In this series thus far, we have discussed the blueprint of salvation. We've talked about the return of Christ, and we've looked at the first ordinance of the church, which is communion. And today, we're going to look at the second ordinance of the church, which is baptism. Now, we see from Scripture that Jesus established two ordinances for believers to follow. And an ordinance is a spiritual practice that visualizes, symbolizes, and connects us to the work of Jesus at the cross when he purchased our salvations. The ordinances, or in some different uh, denominational backgrounds called the sacraments of the church, have been practiced by thousands of churches for thousands of years for the purpose of showing an outward visible sign of an inward eternal reality. Now, we, dis- we defined ordinance a couple weeks ago, and if you want to know a little bit more about this, you can listen to that message and get some of the details. But we define an ordinance as this. Ordinances are an outward visible sign of an inward invisible spiritual reality, meaning I am participating in this, in this ritual, if you will, that Christ established to show the work that he has done on the inside of my life. And so we looked at communion two weeks ago. Now we're going to look at baptism. And if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Romans chapter number six. Romans chapter number six. We're going to be reading verses one through 11 this morning. And here's what the word of God says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. 
We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray over the word of God today. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray today as we're studying this passage, Lord, that it would come alive to our hearts. Lord, when we ask this of you, we, we know that your word is living and we know it's active. And Lord, we know that you intend to speak to us through it. And I pray today that it would just illuminate our hearts, help us to see the work that you've done in our lives so that we can worship you in the way that honors you. And Lord, that we can live in the way that also brings you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this passage will be base camp for the remainder of this message. And in this passage, Paul is giving us a theology, a doctrine of what baptism is and why baptism is important. And we're going to start with a question. When we say baptism, what is it that we even mean? Well, in this passage, Paul is talking about the power of baptism, and he's showing us that the baptism, the ordinance of baptism, is for believers in immersion by water, and this ordinance is connecting them to the death of the old sinful life and the resurrection of the new life that we have in Christ. Remember, an ordinance is an outward sign of the inward spiritual reality, and so when we are baptized, we are publicly declaring and identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important to know right out of the gate that Jesus established baptism and Jesus himself was baptized. Matthew chapter number three, starting in verse number 13, it says this, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." So Jesus established baptism for a pattern for us, and he even commanded that all believers were to be baptized in Matthew chapter number 28. And because Jesus established baptism and showed us the significance of the baptism, we need to have a hunger and a desire to be baptized in our own life when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ. If we understand that it is Jesus that gave the significance of baptism, then we would understand and why Jesus instituted baptism to begin with. As we said, baptism is the outward sign of the work that Jesus did at the cross 2,000 years ago, and that is now being made manifest in your life today. 
Baptism is noting the work that Jesus did in your life that only he can do. And so when you are baptized, you are declaring your faith in Jesus Christ, and you're identifying with the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We are saying that at one point we were lost sinners without hope, but now we have died to our old self through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are being raised to a new life where we can honor Jesus. We know that Jesus paid the work, and now we are are bringing our life into alignment with his work. We are declaring that in our life, that we are not going to live the old way that we used to live now. We are living a new way through Jesus Christ. It is our public declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. Furthermore, baptism uh, in the life of a believer is willfully acknowledging a disconnect from the old life. There's a lot that's happening in baptism. We're saying, I know what Jesus did and I'm identifying with it. Furthermore, I'm going to follow his pattern, meaning I'm dying to the old man and I'm living the new way. We can put all of this in one sentence and it says this, baptism confirms your new identity. When you think about everything in Scripture and you had to give it all one sentence when it comes to baptism, baptism confirms your new identity. If it was a big idea of this message, that's what it would be. Now, we talked a few weeks ago on Wednesday nights. You need to come on Wednesday nights if you don't come. We, we have our deep dive Bible study. And we talked a few weeks ago how most of us have this weird desire to find other people that we can identify with. And, and I talked about Brad. Brad wasn't there, but Brad and I can identify with a lot of the same stuff. I mentioned a while back that I wanted a Grand Force Brooks axe. Now, why do I want one? I just do, right? And when surface is over, Brad came up to me and said, hey, guess what? I have one of those axes. Now, when I mentioned Grand Force Brooks axe, I, will, I would bet good money that not one in this room knew what I was talking about. Brad had one. I thought, that's awesome. So then I started looking at these, these, these Bibles, and I was like, oh, I got to get me one of these Bibles. And I'm looking at them online, I look over across the room. Brad has one of those too. I'm like, Brad and I can identify together. There's a lot of things we like. Now, I also realized one time that I identify with homeless people a lot. I'll tell you the story. This is crazy. There's this wonderful ministry in Tulsa called The Nightlight. And they feed, they feed the homeless underneath the bridge every Thursday night. It's amazing. And so we go down there, and they give us our job descriptions and what we're supposed to do. And they said, make sure that you talk and have discussion with people. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. So I find this gentleman. He's sitting over there. And I just sit down. We just start talking. And we're carrying on a wonderful conversation. And someone comes up and tries to offer me food. <laughs> I'm like, do I, I, I need to really, I mean, I know I have a very simple wardrobe. I, I get mocked because I wear three colored t-shirts over and over and over and over again, black, navy, blue, and gray. And that's because I like simplicity. But when you get offered food, when you're sitting on the street, it might be time to reevaluate how you dress. The point is, is that we can all identify with different people. Now we are in Romans chapter number six. If you were to go home and read Romans chapter number five, what you'll see is, is that every single one of us can identify with each other in one way. And that is this, we are all sinners. We all have that in common. Some of us are, are, are better looking than others. Some of us are more wealthy than others. Some of us, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that separate us, but we all have one big thing in common. We all sin. And we all sinned. Therefore, we can all identify with not only each other in this room, 
But every single person who has ever lived, all the way back to the first man, Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned, centered into this world, there started this pattern where we all sinned, and now we can all identify with each other and with Adam because of the sin. Now, we said a moment ago that Jesus himself was baptized. And that raises a really interesting question. Why was Jesus baptized? Why was Jesus baptized? The Bible tells us that John was baptizing people for repentance of sin. But yet Jesus was sinless. So why was he baptized? Baptism today is for believers to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. It's their public decoration. But Jesus is Lord. So why was he to be baptized? Why did Jesus need to be baptized? In fact, the Bible even says that John protested baptizing Jesus. He said, I need to be baptized by you. You don't need to come to me. And Jesus said, no, we have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Here's what Jesus was doing when he was baptized. He was giving us a new pattern for a new identity. Adam sinned. Every one of us can identify with that sin. When Jesus went through his baptism, he's given us a new pattern that we can say, I'm not going to identify with the old sinful life. Now I'm going to identify with the new man, the new creation that Christ is going to do inside of me. Before Christ, we can only identify with Adam, but now that we're saved, we can identify with the work of Jesus through baptism. Friends, when you get baptized, you're not just getting wet. It's not just a nice thing to do to show the church that you want to be a Christian. It's saying, I'm dying to my old life, I'm living a new life, and I'm identifying with this man. I'm not doing my own thing anymore. I'm identifying with the new man, and I'm identifying with God. Notice in our passage in Romans 6, Paul is calling our attention to the fact that we are united with Christ in baptism. Baptism identifies you with the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It it confirms a new identity. When a person gets in the water and they're standing there, they're representing the death of Jesus. Jesus was on a cross. Then they're laid down into the water to represent the burial of Jesus. And they're raised again to represent the new raised clean life in Christ Jesus. Baptism identifies with death. I want to read verse 4 to you again because it's really important to catch this. It says this, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Notice the wording in verse 4. We are baptized into his death. It was the death of Jesus that set us free from our sins. It was his death that dealt with the punishment that we needed. Therefore, when we're saved, we're, we're identifying with that death no more Do we do our own thing? We are dying when we take our baptism. We're saying, I used to be a certain way, but now I'm going to die to that. See, I think a lot of times when we say, I want to give my life to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we don't understand the weight of that commitment. We we can't have Jesus plus something else. There has to be a death that happens in our life where we start to die to our sinful desires. Baptism not only identified with his death, but it also identified with his burial. 
Burial attests to the reality of death. When you bury someone, they don't come back. That was the problem with Lazarus. He was dead for four days. He was in the tomb, and Jesus showed up and says, hey, let's roll away the stone. Something's about to happen in this situation. And they protested against him. They said, look, he's been dead for four days. He stinks. He's decaying. There's no coming back from that. Without a miracle, once they put you in the ground, there's no coming back. And I'd argue that once I was in the ground, I don't want to come back. Can you imagine waking him up in there? That'd be scary. So baptism shows us two realities at the same time. We are acknowledging without Jesus, we have no hope of a new life. We're also burying the old man. Not only are you to, and this is where the beauty of the cross comes in, because not only are you to die to the old man, but you get to bury the old man. Just think about it. The old man, the old woman, there's probably a lot of shame and guilt there. Anybody done anything that you just really wish you could go back and fix? Anything in your life that you're ashamed of? No, in my life there is. So when we're standing there and we're saying, Christ, I'm giving you my life, part of the baptism is saying, I am burying the old man. And that's that's so freeing because the old shame, the old guilt, the old things that weigh us down in life don't have to cling to us anymore. We get to bury the old life so we can rise again to a new joy, new hope, and new salvation. Baptism identifies with the resurrection of Jesus. When we come up out of that water, we are, as the scripture says in verse 4, new creations in Christ. We're we're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ with a purpose that he's laid on our hearts. Verse 5 is just as powerful to you. Let me read that to you as well. Verse 5 says, for we have been united with him in a death like this. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. The word unite in this verse means fused into one. It's like an instantaneous act, like a, like a, a, a nuclear fusion that happens almost instantaneously in our life. Our, our spiritual history began at the cross, and it's being made public at our baptism. And Christ is in us, and now we are in him, and we are fused together by the Holy Spirit in this new life. And that's what baptism is. Confirming your new identity. It's all about the new life. I said a moment ago, so many people want Jesus plus something else. We want Jesus, but we want to hold on to the old way of life. And, and with baptism, that's not a possibility. Baptism says that's not a possibility. It's about death, it's about burial, and it's about resurrection to a new life. And Paul's saying, We were dead in our sins. He says, Does, you, you can't keep living that way. What does it mean to be dead in our sins? He's, he's, he's saying that sin is now dead inside the life of a believer. Now, all of us are, are fully aware that we still sin from time to time. In fact, I probably argue for a lot of us, most of our sin happens Sunday morning before church. Why? Because you're trying to get the kids out of bed, get them dressed, get them eat breakfast, and it just, you know, ever happened to anybody besides the preacher? <laughs> He's not saying that you're never going to sin again. What he's saying is that sin no longer reigns in your life. There's sin, but it doesn't dominate our life. Notice that Paul's using the past tense words, the death of sin came at the cross. This brings us to a very, very important truth. Baptism is not just pointing to the cross. 
there's a spiritual transaction that takes place when we're baptized. We, we're saying we're, we went from death to life. We're, we're leaving the old, the old life behind. And even if we die today, we're just sleeping, waiting for the Lord to call our name, and we're going to rise to a new life. N.T. Wright said of this verse, he said this, I quote, Therefore, Paul says, the spectacular Good Friday and Easter at the heart of the Christian story, Jesus dying and rising, happens to us in baptism. Paul doesn't hold back here. He doesn't hedge his bet and says, as if. He simply says, you die with Christ in baptism, and you are raised with him through the waters into a new life to belong to Jesus. And here's the problem we have to face. There are many people walking around out there who have been baptized either as infants or as adults for whom the gospel message seems to have no meaning, no power, no relevance into their lives. We have to be careful, friends. When we choose to take baptism, we have to know what we're getting into. We have to know the commitment that we're making. I want to read one more quote from N.T. Wright on the subject. He says this, quote, Baptism is about dying and rising again, not somehow getting into the church by evading the challenge. As C.S. Lewis emphasized again and again, there is nothing in the world which cannot die and be raised into God's new world in terms of actual good creation. At the same time, there's nothing in the world that will make it into the new world if it does not first die and be raised. And so, yes, all the baptized are welcome in the church, but if you were baptized, expect to be challenged by God and by your neighbors about your lifestyle and about your dying to sin and your raising again to holiness. Baptism is the ground on which we stand linked to Jesus. His dying, His raising, and His power of His victory is ours because we are His. But if you imagine you can get that power without that identity, well, good luck then. Baptism is so powerful. But it's only powerful when you submit your life to Christ. And when you take that that pledge, if you will, in baptism, that you mean it and you live it out. I hope you can see the importance of baptism from the Lord. It's intricate, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's about our death, burial, and resurrection to new life. The question then becomes who should be baptized? We believe in the believer's baptism. And what that means is we baptize people who are at the age of accountability who understand the decision that they're making. In some denominations, they believe in doing infant baptism. Children born to Christian parents are baptized into the church. And there's a lot of reasons for why they believe that. And I'm not going to necessarily say that's wrong. However, what I believe based upon the word of God and what we believe is in believer's baptism. And we only baptize people who publicly confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We believe in believer's baptism because it's the pattern of the church in the book of Acts. The book of Acts records a lot of people getting baptized, and there's a pattern that we see over and over again. They are first people who confess faith. They're individuals who've given their life to Jesus, and then they are baptized. We have zero examples in Scripture of infant baptism. So baptism is for believers and is a baptism of repentance and new life. The question then becomes, do you have to be baptized to be saved? Well, we do not believe that you have to be baptized to be saved. The scripture is very clear that faith in Jesus Christ is the only requirement for salvation. 
When we talked about this two weeks ago with communion, when Jesus was on the cross and the thief was there, the thief asked him to remember him in his kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. There was no opportunity for the man to be baptized, yet he still went into heaven. Baptism is not the saving agent. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving agent. Baptism is a public declaration of that agent in your life. We see this in Acts Chapter number eight, a great example of baptism. You can read about when you get home. It's the evangelist uh, Philip, and he's out. Uh, The Lord leads him to this road, and there is a man from Ethiopia uh, who is traveling back. He works for the the queen, and and as he's going, he's reading out a scripture, and, and he doesn't understand. And Philip tells him that scripture is pointing to Jesus. The man gets saved. He sees water, and he says, who could keep me from getting baptized? He was begging to be baptized. A believer who has given their heart and their life to Jesus would have the desire to make that public statement. A person who has went from death to life and understands what Jesus has done in their heart desires and wants to be baptized as soon as possible and to tell other people about their baptism. Why? Because they want them to know what Christ has done in their life so that perhaps they too can surrender and let Christ do the same thing in their life. The pattern in the New Testament church is this. When someone got saved and put their faith in Jesus Christ, they were baptized as soon as possible. Why? Well, because baptism is a commandment of the Lord. I told you earlier, Matthew 28. Baptism is an opportunity to commit publicly. Baptism is a testimony of the work in your own life, and it confirms your new identity. Here's the thing we have to understand. When you look in Scripture, the the altar for salvation in the New Testament was baptism. And I think that this might be where we get off just a little bit in our modern church approach. Today, and I do this as well, when we give an opportunity for salvation, perhaps at the end of a message, we say, if you'd like to be saved, raise your hand. And if you would like to be saved, come to the altar. And, And we do those things to pray for people. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I am saying is this, is that when you look at Scripture, when someone got saved, they said, are you sure you want to do this? Let's go baptize you so that the entire world knows. Here's the difference. If I'm sitting in my my seat and I say, yeah, I want to give my heart to Jesus, I can raise my hand, but no one knows. I can even walk down to an altar and pray at an altar, and I still haven't made a public declaration of what I intended to do at this altar. But when I am baptized and I'm standing there before before everyone in the church and I say, look, I used to be the old man. Jesus changed me. Now I'm the new man and I'm going to be baptized to identify with that work and tell all of you what Jesus has done in my life. It changes everything. That is no denying it. It's kind of like a wedding ceremony. A lot of people say, well, do I have to go through the ceremony? Do I have to go through the ceremony? Well, let me ask you this. You're making a commitment to die with someone for the rest of your life. When you stand before a congregation of people and make vows to one another, all of us heard what you said that you were going to do. And now you have to follow through with that commitment. And baptism is a lot the same way. If I was to be baptized this morning and I was to stand before you, I don't know how many of you are in this room this morning, but there's a lot of you and there's a lot of you watching online. And I was to say, I'm going to be a Christian. I baptize myself. I'm now accountable to every single one of you to maintain my word and my commitment to the Lord. So how quickly should I be baptized? Should I wait until I really understand faith before getting baptism? This is a very difficult question to answer. I think that a lot of times we wait too long 
I don't know that any of us fully understand every single aspect of the faith. I know I don't. I've read this word a lot. There's still things in it I don't understand. Here's the point, I think, in which you make baptism a part of your life. When you say, Jesus, I know who you are, and I'm never turning away from you. That's the point when you go get baptized. And that's really what verse 11 was dealing with. Our faith is a living faith. It's a lifelong commitment. You will spend time and a lifetime, really, trying to figure out what baptism really means in your life and how you're going to flesh that out. But you start. I'm going to go ahead and close with this if Charity wants to come back. Speaking personally of my baptism, I remember when I gave my heart to Jesus, it was at an altar as a child. And after that experience, I desperately wanted to be baptized. I remember this desire being really deep inside of me. And in the mind of a child, you don't understand all the things. They, you know, As I said a couple weeks ago, the preacher talked about rapture every single week. So I just knew the Lord was going to come back and I was going to be baptized. And it's kind of silly maybe looking back on it, but in the mind of a, you know, a 10, 11-year-old, that's my fear. Like, Lord, I really want to be baptized before you come back. And so I remember going to my pastor and saying, hey, I desperately want to be baptized. And he was excited, you know, and, and so they had a baptismal ceremony. And he's like, you, you can be baptized on this day. So I go and I'm so excited, you know, and I get there and kind of a weird thing, you know, I had like this terrible headache that day, you know, even as an 11-year-old. And I remember being baptized and coming up out of the water and my headache was gone. And maybe that was a miracle or not, I don't know. But I just know, like the whole day was special for me is what I'm trying to say. That was way over 20 years ago. Did I understand all the things of faith? Did I understand justification, sanctification, all the Asian words? Did I, did I understand all that? No, of course not. But what I did understand is that I knew who Jesus was and I knew I wanted to follow him with my life. And so at whatever point you realize that, it's time for you to be baptized. So maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I want to get baptized. What, 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 what do I do? How, how should it be a minister? But I, you see a lot of different things. Some people sprinkle, some people pour water on their head. We, we do baptism by immersion. We believe in baptism by immersion for all the reasons why I told you earlier. It's identifying with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. We see the pattern in Scripture. They went down into water. They came up out of water. Jesus was down in the water, came up out of the water. So we believe in immersion because it best identifies with the work and with the Scripture. And the formula of baptism is always this. He, he tells us, Jesus does in Matthew 28, 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the name of is really the key to this because it means the commissioned into the worship and the service of someone else. So when you are baptized, you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm committing myself to the worship and the service of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is the biblical understanding of what baptism is. And it's really interesting when you look at the totality of Scripture that new life tends to come and is surrounded by water. Think about this. Creation showed up and started with a big body of water. In Genesis 1, the Bible says that life was formless and the earth was formless and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. 
and God started the creation process, and six days later, everything was here. God saved humanity from a flood in Genesis 8. God caused a big flood to wipe out the world, but he saved Noah out of the flood through an ark. And the Bible says that Noah and his family were saved out of that water and started a new life. Fast forward again to Moses and the people of Israel. Moses leads the people out of Egypt through the 10 plagues and the first thing they run into is a big body of water and what does God do? God parts it so that they can walk through on dry ground. The Israelites wander around another 40 years. They're about to go into the promised land. What do they run into? The Jordan River at flood stage. And what does God do? God parts that body of water. Jesus told the woman at the well, when you get saved, rivers of living water flow from your life. So out of the water comes new life. So symbolic and significant for us. One more N.T. Wright quote. He had a lot of things to say. He said this, The point of the scripture narrative is to say that baptism draws together all the stories of creation and the exodus about Jesus, but also about the life of the church and the world. When we baptize someone, we are participating in the same narrative. We are saying we are on this journey. This is our journey. This is, how our sto- this is now our story as well. And if you stick with us, we will help you live that story out with us. That's what baptism is all about. Friends, I want to encourage you. Perhaps you were baptized at one point. Maybe you understood what you were doing, or maybe you didn't. I want to encourage you. Live out that commitment. Live out that commitment. There's a lot of things that we do sometimes in church that becomes ritualistic to us, that we don't allow the significance of this into our hearts. Communion that we talked about two weeks ago and baptism we talked about today are two of those things that can absolutely become a habit in our life without realizing the importance and significance. Those are two things that Jesus himself did that he called us to model after. And we participate with those things. We are connecting ourselves to his work and we are saying that we are a part of a larger body of Christ who have been doing these things for thousands of years trying to follow and honor the same Lord and Savior that we are trying to honor today. Now in this room specifically, maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I need this new life. I need this new life. I've, I've been a Christian for a while and I, I, I haven't been baptized. I haven't made that public declaration. Or perhaps you're here and you say, you know what? I was baptized one time as a child, but I didn't understand the commitment I was making to the Lord. But I feel like now that I understand, I want to make that commitment anew to him. Let me tell you, the altar call for this message is going to be a little bit different because it's going to happen in two weeks from today. Some of us here say, I need in this new life. I need to go public with this new life. What do I need to do? On June 28th, that's Sunday, it's in two weeks, we are going to have a baptism service here. We're going to give an opportunity for those who say, I want to go public with my faith. I want to confirm my new identity in Christ. And if that's you, we want to invite you to be a part of that. All you need to do is come see me or one of our staff. We will get you the information. We will get you everything you need to know to participate with that. But here's my prayer. 
My prayer is that every single one of us in this room who confess Jesus with our mouth would also follow and be obedient to the Lord in baptism. Because it's a message that this world needs to see, that Jesus is our Lord, and that makes us all family.